Good morning, everyone. Greet you in Jesus' name. I've really enjoyed, appreciated the morning uh, this morning. The, uh, the opening, our Sunday school class, the songs that we sang, I thought they, they, uh, they fit together and they blessed me this morning. I invite you to open your Bibles to Romans 5. That last song that we sang uh, beautifully blends the shepherd's song and Jesus' beautiful invitation in Matthew 11 that, that uh, Gerald referred to. Come ye, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And the shepherd's song, uh, a gentle, tender shepherd caring for his sheep. And um, the opening that Derek had, how hopeful, offering hope that God cares and that God has good plans for us. And that's an encouragement to know that. And Ivan in his uh, Sunday school lesson, he mentioned all the tangles and uh, Robbie referred to it too before he led that last, that song there at the end of Sunday school. But that if we follow God's way, God's solution, there is, there is hope. And that's what my subject is this morning, the Christian's hope. I uh, began looking at this some months ago, actually, and picked it up now and then and uh, worked on it. For my own encouragement to start with, and uh, I've been encouraged. I'd like to read the uh, first five verses of Romans 5, very familiar. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Now we see the, the word hope several times, three times in this, in this passage. And we use the word hope often in our conversations and we know it has a range of meanings from just I wish, like as, as in I hope we have a nice day for the hike or I hope we have a nice day for the wedding, which we had a beautiful day yesterday for the wedding. From that kind of light wish, maybe strong wish or preference to a far greater hope as in this passage the hope 
of the glory of God. Now we'll get back to hope in a little bit, but I want to mention that the opposite of hope is a miserable place. Hopelessness, despair, it's, it's an awful thing. Especially when it reaches the point that a person sees nothing but darkness and gloom, sees no sign, no evidence, no encouragement, nothing pointing to a good outcome ever. How black, how very, very painful. Some people sink into a numbing depression under that gloom. It has driven people to uh, drink and drugs and suicide. Uh, One Old Testament example would be Saul, who got very, very discouraged and he had much reason to. He saw the host of the Philistines. He was afraid. His heart greatly trembled. And this was the most discouraging part that when he inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not. And we remember the story how Saul finally in his desperation sought out a witch and asked her to call call up Samuel. And the Scripture says that Samuel said, why have you called me? seeing that the Lord has departed from you. And Samuel told him that Israel would be conquered by the Philistines and that Saul and his sons would be killed. And then Saul fell straightway all along on the earth and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him. And we remember how the story ended. Saul, alone with his armor bearer on a hill and the Philistines closing in. And he fell on his sword and and died. A very sad, very sad and tragic uh, story. And an extreme example of someone reaching the depths of discouragement and fear. Hopelessness, despair. But back in Romans, we see hope. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So we are justified by faith, which establishes our standing with God as His redeemed children. And through that same faith, 
we have continual access to the grace that enables us to firmly stand. And with this experience and in this status of grace, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And Christ is the hope. Christ is our hope. <clears throat> Without him, we are completely lost. And our futures are as hopelessly black as that of Saul's on his face on the floor in the witch of Endor's house. A few scriptures. You don't have to turn to them. Paul in his greeting in 1 Timothy 1, 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. And in the 27th verse of Colossians, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. In Hebrews 6, verses 18 and 19, that by two immutable or unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. And that is Jesus. 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A living hope because of the merciful Lord Jesus. <coughs> In 1 John 3, 2, it shifts our gaze toward the future glory of being with Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him for we shall see him as he is. And in Titus 2.13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Jesus on the earth said in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, 
that where I am, there ye may be also. Those wonderful words, those truths, bring us hope. The fact of a loving and merciful Savior, Jesus Christ, and redemption through Him, and all that's involved with that. And the fact of the promise of heaven and being with Christ through all eternity in a perfect paradise, free of troubles and tears, no blemish, no trace of sin and its ugly consequences, a wonderful promise and a great hope a great consolation, something to look forward to with great anticipation. So there's a hope in our status as redeemed children of God that we have within us a living hope. We, have, we are redeemed and uh, children of God. And there's the promise of a future uh, with him in heaven for all eternity in a perfect paradise. There are two other occurrences of hope in that passage uh, in those five verses of Romans 5. And we'll look at those last three verses now. And not only so, verse 3 but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Now this, uh, the focus kind of shifts a little bit here and to uh, life here on earth and the living of it. And there are, here there are, on the earth there are troubles and sorrows and disappointments and griefs. And the hope here is something a little different than just that heaven awaits over there. But there is hope here. There is hope for here. There, there's help for life here. That good and thankworthy and encouraging things can happen here in the life of a Christian. Things that brighten and bless our life, even while here in the middle of all these sorrows that there can be hope. Uh, turn with me to Psalm 42. We're going back to the Old Testament, but uh, this psalm has blessed me many times. <clears throat> I remember one time many years ago being in a discouraged 
uh, time and, and things looked kind of dark and I was going to face something that I wasn't looking forward to and I wasn't happy. And I read this psalm and it just encouraged me of the truth that I saw there. First, I just saw the humanity. I could identify with that. I think we all can. Because it describes someone in a discouraging time. But there's something else that's present there that we want to notice that, that uh, can bless us. Psalm 42. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. For the help of his countenance, O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will, therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites, from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be for me and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? <clears throat> As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Psalm 43 is uh, very similar. It repeats that same phrase, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. It changes a little bit at the end of that. Uh, a number of old Hebrew manuscripts uh, include that Psalm 43 as a third stanza to Psalm 42 because it's, and it is very similar. Not everyone agrees that they were originally together. And people don't agree with, uh, with who wrote this psalm or when it was written. Some think it was written when uh, the Babylonian captivity was just getting underway. Most, most scholars feel, though, that it was written by David and at the time when he was leaving Jerusalem, escaping from Jerusalem during the rebellion of Absalom. And uh, 
just thinking of that situation and how discouraging that must have been to David. Here at the end of a long and successful reign, now this. How, how very disheartening and discouraging. But in that psalm, we see that the psalmist, even in his despair and discouragement with the facts around him, he has hope, even in the middle of all of these very troubling things. And it seems like he chides himself for being tense and anxious. Why art thou disquieted within me, he says to his soul. And he reminds himself that he will yet praise the Lord for his blessings and his care. And so he instructs himself, hope in God, hope in God. That is excellent advice. And <clears throat> I doubt that there's anyone in here maybe our very youngest and most innocent haven't really known a serious trouble that they uh, that lasted long enough for them to get discouraged. But most of us know what discouragement is. They can be small and insignificant in some ways. We know it at the time, but they bother us. And they can be pretty big, too. They can be really, really big and uh, threatening to us. <laughs> and in those times, sometimes we forget to remind ourselves there is hope in God. There is hope in Jesus. There are many different things that can discourage us. Have you ever gotten discouraged just about yourself. I've gotten discouraged about myself. Disappointed with our failures. Not measuring up with what we know God has called us to for sins. Failures, lacks. We can get discouraged with ourselves. We can get discouraged about our circumstances. It can be our health. We've had on our prayer requests numerous times, numerous people with health problems. It can be our own. It can be others close to us that affect us very much. It can be our finances. It can be accidents. It can be breakdowns of various kinds. Ours. Freedoms, our circumstances can be discouraging. Relationships can be discouraging sometimes. Tensions and conflicts and misunderstandings can drain us of energy and joy. Our responsibilities can pile up and we can get behind and we can reach a point where we think we can't handle one more thing. And then sure enough, something else comes. 
or two. Or burdens, concerns for our family, concerns for our friends, unsaved friends and family, for the church, for situations we know others are dealing with that are, that are very difficult. And we have concerns about these things. There are many, many things that can trouble us, tribulations, of all degrees and intensity and types. And Paul said, we rejoice in tribulations. How can we rejoice in tribulations? What do we do in time of discouragement when the way looks dark and confusing and uncertain and burdens are heavy? What have other victorious hopeful Christians done? I have several things that I'll touch on here that I, that I think make a difference. <clears throat> One is pray. That's sort of a no-brainer, isn't it? But I believe often that God allows troubles to come to us, that they're really a blessing in disguise because they can nudge us drive us to God in ways that we don't tend to when things are going very easily. Like the disciples in the boat on Galilee and everything was smooth and peaceful. And they were relaxed and they were comfortable and then the storm came and then they went climbing to Jesus and wake up and help us. And that's where we ought to be more of the time. And actually, uh, often we don't see the desperate condition we're in and how desperately we need God. Uh, even when things seem smooth and there's not the pressures and the painful things and all bearing down on us. So we pray, we plead for wisdom, for grace to help in time of need. You know, in that psalm, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. I've seen that verse on plaques and mottos, and it's a beautiful verse, and it's a challenge. And standing alone, you could think of it as, a, as the, the testimony of a joyful Christian who just longs after the Lord and is going about with great joy and peace and all the fruit of the Spirit and, and life is wonderful. But it's the psalm, that verse is followed by my tears 
My tears have been my meat day and night. While they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? Where is God? So this, this cry, this panting after, the, after God, is a desperation, a cry of desperation, and a recognition of a great need for his grace and help. And so, um, you know, even in our, in our devotional times, and I'll give this as a confession testimony, that, uh, you know, there's, a, there's an expression that, uh, that advertisers use. They want to be, if, if they're effective in advertising, they want a certain product to be top of mind to people. That when you think about um, something to wipe something with, you think of Kleenex. You don't think of Puff or some other Equate or great value stuff. You think Kleenex. That should be top of mind. And sometimes our problems are become top of mind and you're ready to have your devotions, and you open your Bible, and you even start to read, but the words aren't top of mind. Your troubles are my troubles. They can loom over us. They can distract us. We can think about, how could I fix that? We can be debating disagreements. We can be worrying about dreadful outcomes. <clears throat> Any number of things like that. Uh, none of which is worship. But then we, we uh, I've realized what I'm doing. I'm reali I've realized what's happening. And, and I, I just say, God, I need you. I, I need your help. And the scripture promises, if we draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to us. And Derek said this morning from, uh, from Acts, how Paul told the men of Athens, the people of Athens, you can reach out, reach out for God. He is there. And we ask God's help to push those things aside. And Jesus said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All these cares will be taken care of uh, some way. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We need that. I need that in devotional life too. So we pray. We ask God for His help and His grace. And in our prayer, we worship too. And we begin to understand part B of verse 5. <clears throat> because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. 
God does love me. God does care for me. He is with me. He will help me. What grace. What kindness. And the, and the scriptures are full. So many promises. A, a second step, and I'll not take as long on these others, but is to ponder, to think with God's help. Are there things I can do that might help my situation? What does the Bible say about a situation like me? You know, whether it's dealing with temptations or relationship difficulties or burdens or cares or whatever. And in some cases, maybe we want to, it would be good for us, helpful to ask a Christian brother or sister for counsel or to pray with us. But to ponder, what, what, is my, what should my response be here in the middle of this thing? And it may come to us while we're praying. Often does. And then the last is to perform. I was trying to stay with the P's. Pray and ponder and perform. But really what I'm saying is, do that thing. And you know, you could wish sometimes that we could see from right here in the middle of my trouble every step that is needed till I get all the way through it. And often we don't. Often we see only a little bit, a small step. But you know, that's the step that that's the step we need to take. And by God's grace, we can take that step, even as small as it is. Maybe it's a, an attitude adjustment on my part. Often that's what it is. Maybe it's surrender instead of struggle. <laughs> Several weeks ago, I read a testimony of a young lady who for most of her life she had to deal with health problems that left her weak, uh, so weak that she would have to leave work. She was a school teacher. Wouldn't be able to finish a day, would have to take weeks off sometimes. And she went from doctors to doctors to test after test, to surgeries, several and treatments after treatment she'd get a little bit better and then it would get worse again on and on year after year and she was still not better it was a book length uh, story true account and i was hoping that she'd get better that some wise doctor would stumble over the solution with God's help and she'd be healed. And the pages were getting fewer and fewer left. And she finally came to the place. She realized that barring a miracle, she would likely never be well on this side of heaven. 
And when she frankly asked the doctors, they confirmed that's probably true. We don't know what to do. And that was a real struggle for her. But finally, and weeping, she came to a place of resignation and surrender to God's will. And she found comfort. And she found peace and grace. So maybe it's surrender. Maybe it's that I need to forgive to be forbearing. Or maybe it's I need to humble myself and say I'm sorry or make a confession. Maybe I need to readjust some priorities. My time, my spending, whatever. In a Christian... It takes grace to have godly responses. And godly responses bring more grace. And in a Christian, godly responses to tribulations and trials produce patience, endurance. We know fervent Christians who have gone through deep waters and you've heard them say, I wouldn't want to go through that again, but I would not want to miss the blessings that I found there with the Lord. <clears throat> we glory in tribulations. That glory there is the same word, I believe, that is rejoice just before, in the verse before. Rejoicing in the glory of Christ. But we glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience and experience hope. And this patience endurance. Uh, this endurance develops experience it says here. Or an evidence of proof. An evidence that God is at work in my life. Uh, the same word is translated proof in some other places in the New Testament. In the uh, American Standard Version, which is an older translation, says approvedness there. Endurance brings approvedness. Character is what a number of modern translations say develops our character. It is the working out of Hebrews 12, 11 through 13. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, Lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, discouraged brother and sister. 
and make straight paths for your feet, right responses, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. I'm not sure if Fanny is here this morning or not. I'm not seeing her. Anyway, uh, Donna, Fanny's daughter, is married to Philip Lehman. You all, many of you have met him. They've been here. And Philip's father is Claire Lehman. And some of you may remember when Donna, some of you older folks, remember when Philip and Donna were married. They were married here in this church. And Philip, Father Philip, had the devotions. And he was wheeled to the front on a wheelchair. And he couldn't stand up. He had multiple sclerosis. Uh, I'm not sure how long he had had it when, when, um, when they got married. <laughs> it's a nerve disorder. And he's been able to do less and less and less. And he was a sweet man. I'd known him for years. Uh, some years before that. And his love for the Lord and his testimony were always an inspiration to me. But I was talking to him on the phone one time and he was, uh, this was sometime after Philip and Donna were married. But he was not discouraged. And he said this, and I wrote it down. And uh, this is what he said. My Creator is engineering my circumstances for my good. I rejoice in that truth. I will not accommodate the devil by giving in to self-pity and discouragement. We haven't talked about the devil's role in discouragement and what he would like in uh, yeah, in troubles and trials and how he would want us to be discouraged and defeated and despair and even get to that place like Saul where there is no hope. But God, the tender shepherd, the one who said, come ye that labor and are heavy laden, he offers hope. Not just redemption here and a promise of heaven, which is wonderful. That's a wonderful fact that there's a loving and merciful Savior, Jesus Christ, who offers redemption to us. And it's wonderful that there is heaven, a promise of heaven, of being with Christ for all eternity in a perfect paradise. But there is also Jesus with us here. He loves us here. The love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And that maketh 
not ashamed, a hope that is trustworthy, that will not disappoint us. He is with us here. Jesus told his disciples, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In a Christian, godly responses to tribulation and trials take the grace of God. But godly responses bring to us the blessing of more grace and produces endurance and produces hope there is hope in Christ. Not only for the future, but for here. In us. And it affects us. And it can make us more effective. Can even affect our circumstances and the troubles we face. <clears throat> All for God's Glory. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Shall we have a closing song? <clears throat>